Ecclesiastes chapter 12, let's begin reading with verse 9, and we'll read through to the end of the book. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Amen. We'll end our reading there at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's ask for God's help in prayer. Our gracious Lord, today we would look to you to help us truly to hear the conclusion of the whole matter. May we understand the importance. May we appreciate the significance. May we receive deeply as being for us, written to us for our good, what you have placed here in this portion of your word. Help us, O Lord, to learn. Help us to embrace. Help us to put into practice that our religion, our service to God would not be in word only or even in ceremonial only, but would be in everyday life, in how we get up and how we go to bed and everything we do in between. Lord, may our whole lives be directed to the great end, the chief end of man. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon himself will give us a summary. He'll give us a conclusion. But there's a reason he held this off until the end. We weren't ready to hear this. We weren't ready to take it on board until we had been through the whole process that came before He starts off by saying, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. When you approach this life from an under-the-sun perspective, it's characterized by frustration and by futility. Nothing lasts, nothing is permanent, and so nothing counts. Everything fades away. But part of the message of the book of Ecclesiastes is that we cannot be simpletons. We have to be able to understand that more than one thing is true at a time. So though all is vanity, it's also true that some things are better than others. And so Ecclesiastes teaches us the wisdom. How do you navigate life in a world marked by vanity, in a world under the curse of God? How do you navigate this life so that things are better? So that even though this life does not have your ultimate happiness, your true comfort, yet you don't make it worse than it needs to be. And he has given us a lot of wisdom to that end. But as he comes to summarize, he wants you to know there's more to his message than that. Does Ecclesiastes have wisdom for life in a fallen world? Yes, it does. Does it have more than that? Yes, it does. He's done this implicitly all along, you see. When he's criticized life under the sun as being vain, as being frustrating and futile and worthless, by implication, he's summoned you 
to look elsewhere. He's called you to find your true meaning, not in terms of this life. Well, now he's going to spell that out. And so he gives us a summary. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, or let us hear the end now that everything has been heard. What's the bottom line? The bottom line is fear God and keep his commandments. Now, of course, this is not the only way that the Bible summarizes what we are supposed to do. There are several places where there's a summary. For instance, you have it in the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of thee? But to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Well, there's another summary. And there you're doing justice, you're loving mercy, you're walking humbly. That's a little bit of a different perspective than fearing God and keeping his commandments. They're not contradictory, they're complementary. Or what about the book of James? Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. There again, you have a summary. There's works of mercy or works of charity. There's kindness to others, especially to those who are most in need. And there's also purity. There's avoiding the defilements of the world. So the point is that the Bible can summarize our duty in more than one way. And that doesn't mean that any of the summaries are invalid. It doesn't mean that any of them contradict. It just means that they're all different ways of approaching the same thing. But it's helpful to have that because we often do want to know what's the bottom line. So do you want to know the bottom line? Life is frustrating, life is hard, life is repetitive, you're going to die. What do you do with that? Fear God and keep his commandments. That's your only hope. That's the only way off of the merry-go-round of frustration. That's the only way to avoid what is otherwise meaningless and absurd. If under the sun were all there were, what would follow? Well, what would follow is that life is pretty miserable, and maybe if you're very smart about it, you can make it 5 or 10% less miserable, and then you die. That's it. Apart from God, 5 or 10% less miserable, and obviously I'm just making those numbers up, right? There's nothing empirical to back them up. But that's your best hope. And is it any wonder then that when people reject God, when people turn their back on a transcendent creator who made the world and who made the world for a purpose that they lapse into things like saying, life is absurd. Nothing has any meaning. You have to make your own meaning. You hear that a lot. You will hear people saying, well, since it's all absurd and nothing matters, just have fun. Or you'll hear people saying, the real meaning of life is the meaning I choose to give it. That's pretty weak. That, I don't think that's going to get you 10% less miserable. I don't think that's going to count for much at all. But here's the good news. At the end of this book, once you've come face to face with the bitter reality, you choose to reject God. You choose to leave God out of the reckoning. You choose to leave God's saving action. You choose to leave God's covenant out of view. This is what you're left with. But here's the good news. You don't have to do that. There's no reason to do that. There's another way. The way is to fear God and to keep his commandments. 
And I want you to notice the emphasis that's put here on totality. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, not part of the discussion, not one slice of life, but the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all, or as the King James has it, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. What is Solomon emphasizing over and over again there? That this addresses everything. There's not some consideration he left out of view. This really is the bottom line. And the bottom line is good news because it gives to us as human beings made in God's image responsibility. There is something that you can do. It gives you agency along with the responsibility. You're not just trapped in a meaningless whirlwind of life where one season follows another season, the tide comes in and the tide goes out, crops grow and crops die, and we do it all over again tomorrow. There is a cycle, there is a circle, but that doesn't mean you're helplessly trapped. You have a responsibility, you have agency, You can fear God and keep his commandments. You can get off the merry-go-round. Of course, that also gives you a purpose. There's a reason for you to do one thing instead of another. There's a reason to try to make life better. There's a reason to get out of bed in the morning. There's a reason to go through the whole daily round of activities. You know, no matter how many dishes you wash, there's always another dish. No matter how many times you run laundry, there's always more laundry. No matter how many times you mow the lawn, that grass keeps growing. If I were in the Midwest, I'd say no matter how much snow you shovel, there's still going to be more snow to shovel. Chores are never-ending, but there's a reason to do them. There's a purpose behind every aspect of your life from the most trivial to the most significant to the biggest. Fear God and keep his commandments. And there's also good news held out here. There is fulfillment. God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. You remember one of the big questions of the book of Ecclesiastes is what profit do you have from all your labor, given that you're going to die, given that you're going to be forgotten, given that all your works are going to be destroyed? What profit is there from any of it? Here's the profit. God remembers. God brings into judgment. In terms of this world, in terms of your impact here, maybe what you did will fade away completely. Maybe you will be forgotten. Maybe no one will bring flowers to your grave. But in terms of God's judgment, none of it has been lost. Now, I realize that on the one hand, that's alarming, and we'll talk about that. But when you think about your investment, when you think about your effort, when you think about everything that you have done to serve the Lord, is that just going to pop like a soap bubble and leave no trace behind? In terms of this world, it might seem that way. But in terms of God's judgment, it will not be that way. Even a cup of cold water given to a disciple will by no means lose its reward.
So in this summary and bottom lining the whole book for us, Solomon gives us something really wonderful. Here's something short enough that we can grasp. We can wrap our minds around it. We can remember it. Here's something that we can put into practice, something that gives us meaning, something that gives us hope. There is, in fact, profit for all your labor under the sun. If it's labor that is undertaken in the fear of God, if it's keeping the commandments of God, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But that wasn't the bottom line. The bottom line was fear God and keep his commandments. That's the answer to the problem of vanity, of futility, of frustration. Well, let's now look at the substance of this summary. What's at the heart here? Well, the heart here is fear God and keep his commandments. Now, this is not a unique conclusion to Ecclesiastes. Various books of the Bible have a similar message, a similar statement to give. You can find a similar summary, for instance, in the Psalms. Psalm 111, verse 10, says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. There you have the fear of the Lord, the keeping of his commandments, put together just like in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This is wisdom. This is the beginning of real wisdom. Ecclesiastes has exploded all of the false wisdoms And here we come to the real thing, fear God. That's where you begin. His praise endures forever. And now let's add Psalm 112, verse 1, just the next verse. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. There you have again, the commandments and the fear of God go together. But now it's put in a different context. In Psalm 111, that was wisdom. Here it's blessedness or it's happiness. And the commandments are not just observed, they're delighted in. They're seen as the way of life. They're seen as a treasure that God has given to us. Ecclesiastes and the Psalms then may use a little bit of different vocabulary, but their message is the same. They speak with one voice. What do the people of God need to know? They need to know that we should fear God and keep his commandments. Or what about Job? What did Job learn in the extremity of his sufferings? Well, Job chapter 28, which is in one sense the most pivotal chapter in the whole book. It's what the book is leading up to at its center. At the end of Job 28, verse 28, has this message from God for man. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. This is the real wisdom, the wisdom that could not be found by human investigation or endeavor, the wisdom that human technology, human advancement could not discover. God revealed it. The fear of the Lord is wisdom, to depart from evil. That's not exactly keeping the commandments. It's not expressed in the same terms. But remember, the commandments define right and wrong. So if we're departing from evil, what are we doing? Well, we're keeping God's commandments. It's a different way to get at the same substance. What about the premier book of wisdom? What about the book of Proverbs? Well, you have it in Proverbs as well. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
Now, here you begin to see the fear of the Lord is not just respect for God, reluctance to disobey. It certainly includes that. But the fear of the Lord is paralleled to knowing the Holy One. In other words, to knowing God in his holiness, to coming into a relationship with God of mutual knowledge where he has fellowship with us and where we have fellowship with him. The fear of God is Old Testament language for true religion, for trusting the Lord, for walking with God. There's different metaphors, but in one way you could say that the place that the fear of God has in the Old Testament, faith in Christ or love to God has in the New Testament. Well, the fear of God, what is that? Well, that's internal. That reaches the heart. That's our mindset. That's how we think about things. And it means we see things in the light of God. So it means we understand something about God. Obviously, we don't know everything about God. But we understand that God is good. Ecclesiastes has emphasized that again and again. Where do all the good things in this vain life come from? They come from God. It means we understand that God is sovereign. He is in charge and we are accountable to him. Ecclesiastes says that God brings judgment. It means we understand that God is holy and therefore that his law is righteous, true, good, upright, suitable for human beings. So we look to God as the holy one, as the good one, as the sovereign one, as the creator. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. We've already read In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the fear of God then involves knowing that God is all of those things. But it involves more than that. It's not just knowing that God is those things. It's in the light of knowing that God is those things. Now, how do we approach God and how do we approach the rest of our lives in the light of that? The knowledge of God has to be the determining factor for everything else. If you say, well, I know that God is the creator and that makes no difference to how I live, then you don't really know that God is the creator. If you say, I know that God is sovereign, but I'm going to go ahead and live my life as though he were not, there's a disconnect somewhere. Our view of God has to shape how we live. Well, that's what the fear of God is talking about. You know who God is Truly enough, deeply enough, that it at least begins to shape the way you live. That's on the inside. How does that come out into expression? Well, fear God and keep his commandments. There is no way around this. And brothers and sisters, this is not legalism. The Lord Jesus also said, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my Commandments. You know what the commandments are. They're written down there, plain as day, Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. You have probably memorized the Ten Commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. Put them into practice. You didn't do that so well yesterday? Okay, try again today. Don't stop with obedience. That is very significant. There's another verse in the psalm, Psalm 25, verse 14, that speaks about the fear of God. And it says that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. 
and he will show them his covenant. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, because when you come to understand this much about God, when God's word begins to make a difference in your life, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. There's a lot more to be revealed. There's a lot more to come. You will come to learn about God's covenant. Ecclesiastes doesn't mention the covenant. Ecclesiastes doesn't even use the covenant name of God. But Ecclesiastes brings us to the starting point, the launching pad, if you will. Fear God and keep his commandments, and the rest can be built on from there. This is very important to share with unbelievers. As C.S. Lewis has observed, no one really knows how bad he is until he's tried really hard to be good. Sometimes people need to try and fail before they realize, I do need a savior. I do need the Lord Jesus to rescue me from my sins because I can't stop. I can't cut it out. Ecclesiastes in that way is helpful for evangelism also. But now let's move on to the substantiation. In other words, Solomon says, here's the conclusion. Here's the bottom line. Fear God and keep his commandments. Why? Why is that the bottom line? Why is that the point he's reached after all of this? Well, he gives you the reason. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Why is this the bottom line? Because of the fact of judgment. You see, the reality of judgment teaches you that life is not trivial or absurd or unimportant. What you do matters. What you do matters to God so much that he keeps a record of it and he will hold you to account for it. That's how much it matters. Well, when people act, eh, my life is ridiculous. My life doesn't count for anything. They're disagreeing with God. And the things you do, the ways you hurt other people, the ways you blaspheme God's name, you say, that's absurd, that's trivial, that doesn't matter. It does matter. You will come into judgment for it. Now, on the one hand, I acknowledge that's bad news for a lot of people because it means there is a day of reckoning and they're not going to be happy about it. The reckoning is not going to go well for them. I understand that. But on a deeper level, this is good news because it means that you do matter. It means you do have value. Because you have value, your words, your actions, your very thoughts matter. They are significant. They are important. I don't want anybody here to ever say, well, I don't count for much. Well, maybe under the sun that's true. But that's not true for God. You count tremendously. And so we are responsible to weigh our words, to test our actions, to go back and do over when we get something wrong, to repent when we've gone astray. There is a judgment coming. That's also good news because there is then right and wrong. It's not just what society feels by and large. It's not what the people vote on. There is an objective right and wrong. It's also good news because there is accountability. All the people who seem to be getting away with everything, in fact, who seem to be rewarded for their bad behavior, they're not getting away with it. There is a judgment coming. They will be held to account. Every work, including every secret thing, 
Those things you thought you got away with. Those acts of disobedience your parents never discovered. The time the cops didn't pull you over or whatever else it may be. You didn't get away with it. You thought you did. But judgment is coming and every secret thing will be brought up, good or evil. That is a valuable truth to know. That's a valuable truth to armor us against the temptation of thinking, well, what I do, what I think, what I say doesn't matter. It does matter. It gives weight to our lives. Your eternal destiny hangs on that. That's pretty significant. It's good to know to share with other people, to share with people who are trapped on the merry-go-round of frustration, to share with people who think nothing they do matters, to share with people who think there's no accountability for their selfishness. These are all good things to know, and they are good things to share. But all by itself, of course, we say, okay, this is the way off the merry-go-round, but how can I fear God and keep his commandments? What good does it do me to start now when I've already messed up in so many ways? I don't know if you remember this phrase from the Gospels, but the Lord Jesus once said that he always did the things that please his Father. I do always the things that please him. John 8, verse 29. He feared God and kept his commandments. The fear of God made an enormous difference to the life of Christ. He was always upright. He always had a purpose. He always had a direction in his life. And it was always the direction that God had given to him. It's in Christ that we will come to be judged. And so while we recognize that the judgment gives weight and importance to our lives, we can also have hope. What is bad, what is counterproductive, that gets erased for those who are in Christ. That is not brought up against them. That's the meaning when God says that he'll cast our sins into the depths of the sea, when he says that search will be made for the sin of Israel and it will not be found. What is he talking about? He's saying that on the day of judgment, you can open the record books and you can look and all you'll find will be blank pages because it's been wiped out by the blood of Christ. So on the day of judgment, if you are in Christ, you will stand there and there will be nothing found to accuse you with because it's all been done away by Christ. But there will be something found to reward. That reward will be God's gracious work in your heart. What God has worked to do in you and through you, even that, even though it's God's work, even that will be rewarded. God will bring every secret thing into judgment, good as well as evil. The good things you did that nobody else knew about, God will also judge those. And God will judge them with loving kindness, with fatherly favor in Christ. There is a meaning. There is a purpose. There is a value to life. All is vanity is not the last word. The last word is fear God and keep his commandments because there is a judgment coming. May God grant us to receive that message from the hand of Christ. Amen.